Hey guys, this is Zach. I wanted to talk to you real quickly before you listen to this message on podcast because we're in a very unique season as a ministry and really as a church worldwide because of this virus. But we want to partner with you in this unique season and encourage you in your faith and everyday life. So we're putting out new content every day, whether that's a short devotional from one of our student leaders or an online message like you're about to listen to. And we're also providing some very special opportunities for us to gather digitally for prayer and even songwriting. The best way to be a part of all of that is to follow us on all of our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Snapchat. Just search at MVMTU on any of those platforms, and we'll look forward to connecting with you there. Thank you so much for listening. So here's this week's message from Collective Online. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, my name's Josh. I'm one of the interns here As uh, that you already heard. I, something that Zach didn't tell you guys is that this table that he uses right here, it spins. Just give that little a whirl. I just realized this as I was waiting up on stage for that video to end, which, by the way, I am so excited for camp. It's going to be such a blast. Uh, I am one of the illustrious camp counselors, so uh, I will be on the guy side, of course. So if you guys want to sign up for camp and have the chance for me to be your leader, sign up now. Deposits due at the end of the month. But uh, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be up here. So big thank you to Zach. Um, but, you know, as we're reaching kind of like the end of the school year, we're getting there. I'm already done. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm on summer break. But you guys at home probably aren't done with camp yet or not done with school. So, you know, as just a time because our internship ends, you know, at the end of the school year right after camp. So I just wanted to, you know, when discuss, like thinking about what I was going to talk about for the sermon, the, the big thing that I was trying to do was reflect on, you know, what I had learned from uh, this almost a year internship uh, here in this ministry uh, I didn't grow up in. I was here for uh, about a year and a half before I graduated. But one of the biggest things I learned as an intern here was repetition and practice. That was probably a huge thing for me to learn, and it all started when I was a senior. This was just a little bit before I graduated, when we did a game for the first time at Collective called Hungry Hungry Hippos. Now, please let me know, Albert. Albert, are you here in the stream? Because I have a quick story about that. The first time we did uh, Hungry Hungry Hippos, it was, it was Albert and Davis Shockley. Now, Davis graduated last year. Davis played offensive line for Buholtz High School, so he was probably, I don't know how, maybe that tall, but he was a big guy. Like, you did not want to get in his way on the football field. But it was him and Albert working together. And it was how the game worked is you got steered by your ankles to try and get all the balls, just like Hungry Hungry Hippos when you're trying to get all the points in the middle. Now, Albert was the guy with the bucket down on the side with that. And the hilarious thing was, was for about 45 seconds, it was me standing in horror on the stage watching Davis fling around Albert. And I was so terrified. And, it, and you know, we've been able to bring that one back and we've been able to, to kind of learn and get a little better at it as we go. And another one that stuck out, this was probably the first thing that I got to work with our, one of our other interns, Eddie Co-Francesco. Uh, it is the paint joust battle. And the funny thing was with that was, you know, that was the first thing we had thought. We were, like, taking every idea that we had stocked up, getting ready for this internship. And, you know, the initial thought was we were going to have people, like, on piggyback, 
running at each other, but we, we ran it, we went with the office chairs eventually after being talked down. But, um, what had happened was Walker, Walker and Jackson Allen were also part of this game. And I feel so bad to this day for Walker because he came up to me before this game and now there's paint in the name. So it was a pool noodle that you had to tag the other team with paint. So, you know, I gave everyone shirts to wear just so they didn't get it on their shirt. And Walker came into collective that day with a brand new shirt that he came up and it was the first thing he said to me. He goes, Josh, I got this new shirt. I'm so happy. He, it looked, he, he was loving it. He was having a great time. And the worst thing was after collective, he came up to me and goes, Josh, I got paint on my shirt. The paint had gone straight through the white shirt that I had, that I had given him. And it had gotten all over uh, his new shirt. Thankfully, Walker and the shirt are okay. It was washable paint, and we're all good in that area. But I bring that up because I want to talk about um, that repetition in practice. Now, it was through those experiences that I gained you know, hindsight to be able to kind of look back on that. I was able to reflect on that so now when I do a game or now when we do something like that, we're able to you know, learn from that so maybe we should stay away from this, maybe we should really focus on this. But it's that hindsight that was really helpful for me and I'm sure really helpful for the rest of the team. Um, but here's the thing. Sometimes you know, we gain hindsight from past experiences. Maybe you, you are in a situation or you're struggling with something that you don't have the ability of hindsight because you haven't experienced anything like it before and you're not really sure what to do and you just feel so stuck in the present and you don't really have something to look at for the future. And so that's kind of what I, what I want to talk about today. Um, we're going to be in the book of John. Now, don't, don't cheer just yet because we haven't said the verses. You have no idea where we're going. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about John. So when John wrote this gospel, he wrote it, uh, way after um, the life of Jesus and after the other Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So John, when writing the Gospel itself, was able to write the book with the insight of hindsight. He was able to reflect on you know, certain things that, that he witnessed as um, a disciple of Jesus and what he aimed to do, which we kind of read later on in the book, but we won't go into that tonight, is he was looking to discover um, the deeper meaning, the deeper meaning of Jesus's life and his actions. So that's what we want to keep in mind as we're going through. Now, guys, this is where you can share. We're going to be in John chapter 11. We're going to start in verse one. Now, for those of you who don't know, in John chapter 11, that is the story of Lazarus. Now, we're not going to, to spend the whole time. That is over 50 verses, and I know that's a lot to go through. So, but I'm just going to give you a, a quick, like a IMDB synopsis, maybe a little spark notes. Basically, Lazarus is sick, Lazarus dies, Jesus raises him back from the dead. Boom, you're welcome. But what people remember that, people know that without, you know, really having to to look into that. But what's really cool is once you actually take a step into the passage and really try and see what is the deeper meaning that we see with what John aims to do with all this. So we're going to start in verse one, where that says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. 
This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one who you love is, or the one you love is sick. So we'll stop there for a second. We'll just park, kind of talk about that. Now, you know, it, it makes sense. Um, Lazarus, he's a, a friend of Jesus, is sick. And, you know, his sisters are calling Jesus for help. But the literal translation, the Hebrew, Lazarus's name in Hebrew means the one who God helps. So that's the, that's the really cool thing to look at. So you can, you can see that that's uh, really common. That's, that's normal almost to be, oh, you know, my name is the one who God helps. So if I, you know, give a shout out to, to Jesus, he'll come, he'll heal me, and I'll be set, I'll be good to go. Now, we don't know why Lazarus is sick, or we don't know why, or we don't know how Lazarus is sick, but we'll find out later, so just keep that in mind. So another thing to look at is when Martha and Mary are writing out uh, to Jesus, they, they don't go, Lord, Lazarus is sick. They go, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, what, what you want to look at there is that they don't, they don't say just Lazarus, which is kind of strange because how does, how does Jesus know that that's Lazarus? Obviously, he knows. But it's almost like Martha and Mary are trying to be like, hey, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, you remember uh, this, this guy Lazarus? You love him so much, right? You know, you should, you should come and help him. He's sick, but he doesn't say the name. It's like, Lord, the one you love is sick. Trying to re- remind Jesus of that love that he has for Lazarus specifically. So we'll go ahead and uh, continue. We'll go to verse four now. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So through that, we're able to see why Lazarus is sick. We're able to see Lazarus. Why? Because Jesus says it. It's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So you know, we never, we never realize or we never know the how. We don't know, or we don't know what. We don't know what Lazarus is sick with, but we know why. And that's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, that's not the only place in the book of John where we see this. Now, uh, it, you don't have to turn to it, but it's in John 9 with the story of the blind man. And, you know, that's where the disciples are saying like, you know, why is this man blind? Is it because of his sins? Is it because of his parents' sin? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It's not because of sin. This man is blind so that God may be glorified through it. And what does he do? He heals the blind man. So let's go, let's go to verse five. Verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Hold on. Wait a minute. Some may right. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, you know, that word so. That word so is like a coupling between verses five and six. So what that means is it's because Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed exactly where he was for two more days. Now, that may not seem right. That may seem like, well, if Lazarus is sick now, if Lazarus is ill, if Lazarus is dying right now, why isn't Jesus rushing over to heal him if he loves him, like what Martha and Mary said in their letter that he wrote to Jesus? And I think something to remember with that is 
you know, faith is not a formula. You know, Martha and Mary expected to pray A, send a letter B, to receive C, Lazarus being healed. And I think we try to do that ourselves. We try to, to pray A, read B, or wor- sing this specific worship song, or read this specific part in the Bible to get this, to get a good grade on that test, or something like that. And what we see is that that kind of feels like this story, Lazarus, this is a real story, this happened, that's what we believe, is but look beyond that. Look at what we can apply to ourselves. What we can apply to ourselves is that, you know, this Lazarus for Martha and Mary almost serves as an unanswered prayer. That Jesus didn't answer the way they wanted or when they wanted. And so the thing with that is we can take that the same way. And I know that's something a lot of us struggle with. That can be something, you know, for me, um, I know we have some seniors even in the room. We've got uh, Amber and Micah somewhere. I see Amber right here. Micah's in the back over there. But we struggle with this, right? We struggle with this idea that, you know, we want to do this, do this, do this. But when God doesn't specifically do it the way we want it to, we get frustrated. And I know for me, um, like last year, I applied to UF. It, was, it has been my dream school for years, all the time. I just wrote my transfer application, so fingers crossed for that one. But um, the thing is there is that I was, when I got the letter saying that, you know, we're sorry, but you, you didn't get in. I was so frustrated because I had spent months and months of praying, months and months of just hoping that, you know, this is the plan that God has for me. But it didn't happen. And, you know, it took me a while to understand, you know, what exactly was God doing was God trying to do through that? And, you know, I've had so many amazing opportunities that I've been able to experience and so many growing opportunities that I was able to, to have in this year. And so I think I've just become a better person because of it. But looking back at this, with that Lazarus, if we haven't healed from it, if we haven't, you know, grown out of it, we tend to bury it. The farther, the farther along we go in our lives, we tend to just internalize that Lazarus within ourselves. It might be so deep down because it can be so long ago or it can be just still on the surface. Now, here's the thing. Now, we talked about hindsight at the beginning. We talked about how John wrote with hindsight when writing this book. But, you know, where's the hindsight? Here, here's exactly where it is. Go back up to verse two. Now, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So here's the thing. That's written in parentheses right up here that you can see on screen. But here's the thing. You know, that's parentheses is like, hey, by the way, this happened. Like Mary anointed Jesus, uh, wiped his feet with her hair. But the, th- the cool thing about that is, you know, you look all the books before that and, you know, there's nothing about Mary anointing Jesus. Because the thing is, that happens in the next chapter. That happens in verse 12. I mean, in chapter 12. So it's like, hmm, maybe why is Jesus, or why is John writing this little tidbit, this verse 2, you know, a chapter before it happens? Like, why, why does that really matter? But that's because the insight of hindsight. And that's, this is the point that I want you to take away, 100%. If I'm going to say it twice, just so you can write it down. It is hindsight brings us from doubt in the tomb 
to worship at his feet. Doubt, hindsight brings us from doubt in the tomb to worship at his feet. It's because we can see here in verse 2 that before we even see that Lazarus dies or any of that story goes further, we're able to see that Mary, this is Mary's light at the end of the tunnel. This is also serves for Martha's. We can see that it brings her from doubt at her brother's tomb to in the next chapter, so soon after, to worship right at his feet. Now, we see later in, in verse, going back to verse 7, you know, uh, Jesus kind of says, tells the disciples that we're going back, we're going to Bethany, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, but the thing is, when they get to Bethany, when they get to where Lazarus was, where Martha and Mary are, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And now the reason why that four is important is because in Jewish traditions, it, it's thought that the soul stays with the body after the person has died for three days. So you have to think that on that fourth day, Jesus still hasn't shown up. That, um, that we kind of see that all hope is lost. In the eyes of Mary and Martha and these other Jews, Bethany was two miles away from Jerusalem. Now, you have all of these people that there's like, there's no hope. It's gone. It's not happening. Four days, he's gone. It's over. But Jesus shows up. And Martha, ooh, you do not want to get in the way of Martha after this happens. Martha is angry. And Martha says in verse, uh, it is verse 21. Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus says, no, Martha, you're not getting the point. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now that's the thing. Martha's missing the point here. Mary's missing the point because she says it just a little bit later on. The Jews that are mourning at the tomb of Lazarus don't get the point that Jesus is the resurrection. Now we see here that they didn't have the hindsight. They didn't have that verse two, that little insight to go and know that, you know, at the end of this, chapter 12 is coming. They didn't know that there was a light at the end of this tunnel. They didn't know that, you know, everything was going to turn out exactly the way they wanted it to. It just wasn't going to happen on their timing. So, you know, when we see this, that's the same thing for us, right? That, you know, what we talked about earlier, that we're in a struggle right now that we may be so wrapped in, so close-minded to that we don't understand and we don't know why we're in this situation and we don't know the way out of this situation. But the thing is, and this is the amazing part, that just because things don't go the way you want, it's going to go the way God wants. All you have to do is have an open mind, an open heart, just to receive what God is trying to put on you so that you can follow what he wants for you. Now, Lazarus dies in in verse 14. Lazarus, we read in verse 14, he's done. It goes, he's dead. It's over. But But Jesus, later in the chapter, goes, Lazarus, wake up, shouts it. 
This is also the chapter with Jesus wept. So if you need a memory verse, that's the one. Um, but we, we see that, that, you know, there, Lazarus dies in verse 14. That's when it's written. Now, you know, when, when the book of John was written, it, was, it didn't, wasn't split up into all the chapters. But you, you can see, by, if you just look at it in your Bible, that, you know, it says it in verse 14 for us. There are 43 other verses. So it's like you got this little part of the story where it's like Lazarus was sick, Lazarus died. And then you got this big part where it's like, yeah, and Jesus raised him from the dead to show him exactly who he was when all hope was lost, that he raised Lazarus from the dead and proved just how powerful and glorious the Son of God was. So we see that and we know that. So when we think to ourselves, we think that, you know, we Oh, I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm. I'm so frustrated. Like I didn't get into this school. I didn't do well on this test. Um, I didn't. I wasn't able to. You know, go to this because my parents would let me or something like that. We we tend to be so closed off, but it's with the insight of hindsight for Martha and Mary. And I'll give you a hint. This entire Bible, the entire Bible, is hindsight for you. It may not have a one, two, three step um, on what you need to do in your current situation, but it has hope. This is a book of hope, I believe. This is a book that can give us a light at the end of the tunnel the same way that verse two shows us the light at the end of the tunnel for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, you know, because he was able to come back from the dead. So something that I want you guys to, to leave with um, as, we, as we go into teams here soon, I want you guys to think to yourselves, you know, what is your Lazarus? Now, you don't have to put it in the comments here. I see a lot of people saying amen. Thank you guys for the support. Um, but we see, what is your Lazarus? What is that thing that you've, that you've buried, that you've, that you've kept wrapped away, that you don't let anyone else see, that, you know, is holding you back from fully, you know, trusting God's plan for you? What is that thing that's holding you back. And the next question is, with the insight of hindsight, with knowing that this is what God can do when all hope is lost, when there is mourning and doubt at the tomb of just who Jesus is, what is, what is he trying to do in your life that will take you from that tomb to worship at his feet? So think of that as we go to teams here soon. Think, you know, when I'm in my current struggle, like Mary and Martha in chapter 11, what is God trying to show me that can bring me to chapter 12? And so guys, this is what we're praying tonight. God, we just ask that you reveal this Lazarus within us, God. You reveal this thing that we've held against you uh, that didn't go the way that we wanted, God, but we know it is by your plan and your timing that all things happen, God. Lord, we just pray that that we can understand the deeper meaning like John tried to describe in John 11, God, that we can understand the meaning behind why we're going through the things we're going through and what can it do to further our testimony, further our ministry, and further our lives to pursue you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.